0: Welcome to another life-giving message from Mars Hill Fellowship Church. Through rich biblical insight filled with humor and creativity, we seek to make the gospel alive for your life today. For more information, please visit MarsHillFellowship.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message.
1: Real life, real faith, real people. Just as we prepare to go to the Word of God this morning, if you're in need of a Bible, please just raise your hand, and uh, one of our ushers will bring a Bible to you seatside. And uh, as you are opening uh, uh, in the Word of God, uh, today I'm going to be uh, sharing a message from the book of 2 Kings, Second Kings, and we'll be reading from 2 Kings chapter number 22, Second Kings chapter number 22. And uh, we're in a series entitled Unsung Heroes. And over the course of this series, we've been looking at different people in the Bible that we often don't hear about or we don't often share about. And and one of my hearts is that as we reflect upon uh, these sometimes lesser known uh, 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 characters in the Bible, that we will be inspired um, by their life and inspired by their example. Because how many of you know that it's not about how many pages that have been written about you or how many people will, you know, know your name or how many likes or followers that you have or, you know, how many times people have retweeted your tweets. or or they said, oh, man, that was deep or that was good. Um, But how many of you know that ultimately we'll be judged with what God gave to us? What did we do with it? The parable of the talents was not about how many talents did God give you. The parable of the talents was what did you do with the talents that were entrusted to you? Uh, There's an important thing that we see in the word of God is that God is, Say that word, entrust. God entrusts unto his people. He gives gifts, talents, skills, ability. And actually, you know, one of the things that God entrusts to us is time. And one of the things that in all of our doing and in all of our getting, we've got to remember that the time that God has entrusted to us, he is expecting us to be a faithful steward of it. I, I, I recognize that there was a season of my life where I was not as faithful in the time stewardship that God gave unto me. And it wasn't until I actually started working at the law firm and I began to know it. And, and at the law firm, my billable rate was $350 an hour. And when I started at the law firm, I wanted to do everything. I had an assistant who was there who was meant to help me, but I was sitting there and I wanted to go through and 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 put together mailing packages and everything else. And one of the senior partners said to me, They said, They are paying you $350 an hour in order to use your legal insight and judgment. They are not paying you $350 an hour in order to staple a package in order to put things in the mail. And what I learned was that even though I had the ability to do it there were things that I needed to steward over my time to be faithful to it and not only for myself because I was thinking well you know I'm not you know I I didn't even want an assistant I was like well who am I to have an assistant and everything else and and I was looking at it just from my perspective but it was also for the ones who were paying the bill they don't want to look at a bill and said you know point you know uh, 15 minutes in the an hour in order for him to make sure that a FedEx package went out. They say, why am I paying him that amount of money for that? And so I had to be faithful not only for what I wanted, but also the one who had entrusted me to do the work that they had called me to do. Likewise, God has entrusted to each and every one of us this life, this journey this place, and we have to be faithful with everything that God has given to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. As we begin our series, um, we've had the pleasure um, each week of... Uh, hearing from a different member of our congregation um, who uh, will share a little bit about their unsung hero and also a little bit about their testimony. And I pray that this also will inspire you to be able to know and to receive from also those who are amongst us, because I believe it's not just those who we look at in the histories of scripture that we can be inspired by, but when we look around us, God has given us here in this fellowship, also others who are doing great things for the glory of God. The great things they are doing doesn't have to be that it is reaching world systems and everything else, but what they are doing is being obedient to the call that God has placed on their lives, and as a result of it, lives are impacted for the glory of God, and so this week, I want to welcome um, to the stage this morning... um, Sister, Pastor Carla Hawkins, if she will come and share with us this morning. Good morning.
0: Good morning. I am Carla Hawkins. Faithful, obedient, Pastor called, no, you left me a text and asked me if I would come and share my unsung hero. He just shared him without even telling you. Second Kings twenty two, King Josiah. So being obedient. Um Obedience is love, faithfulness. I'm not sure where I'm going to go right now, because I feel like you're going to preach that, but let me just say this about Josiah. Because of his obedience to the law, not that he was following the law because of legalism, but he was following the law because he loved the Lord, so his obedience changed a nation at that time, because he came from evilness, so he changed a nation, I'm going to leave it at there, because pastor probably has a great word, so another unsung hero, staying in a line of obedience, because I definitely have been I'm supposed to be obedient to the Lord and resting. I have not done that completely as I've been called to do yet. But I also have a Jonah spirit um, of reluctance. But because I'm so afraid of the Lord and I don't want to end up in anyone's belly, I don't want to be burnt up, eaten up or anything, I remain obedient. So because Pastor Joseph took my real word (laughs) to share, I'm gonna tell you how I got to this point. Um, My mother was ill all of my life, basically. And as a child and being the youngest, that's hard. Um, She lost her first leg when I was, I think, 13 and she lost her second one when I was 18. So basically, my whole childhood where I was most impressionable was based on the timeline of her illnesses and how that took its toll in our family. I'm thankful to the training that we had. She didn't have to worry so much about me, neither did my father, because I was obedient. But I was obedient then because I first feared her, then the Lord. So as I grew and got older, I lived in fear, straight up probably to the day she died when I was 35, of doing the right thing because it was going to do something for me. And then when she passed away, I realized doing the right thing wasn't just because of me doing the right thing was because it's what God called me to do to be righteous in everything that I do so righteousness obedience and faith it all comes together but that Jonah spirit it lives in me always has partially because I'm an introvert Um, but in the background you can hear um, Shekinah Glory say yes saying yes to the Lord. So in July 2010, the Lord asked me what did I want from him? And I wasn't so sure at that moment. So he then told me that you do things that are right, but are you doing them for the right reasons? So in a sense, he, in essence, he was saying to me, "Am I doing it right for him or for me?" So that thing of obedience, being obedient, not just for myself, but for others. So my other unsung hero is a slave girl, Naaman. She was obedient. She, was a, she wasn't bitter as a slave. she was obedient to her master so obedient that Naaman suffered from leprosy, and she was the one who told him where to go where he could be cleansed. And he was reluctant because of his pride first. And then he was obedient. And it wasn't until he was obedient that he was healed of leprosy. But the slave girl, she is the unsung hero because she is the one who was obedient first. So obedience isn't just about being obedient for yourself also being obedient of others. So now I'm going to send you into a moment of soaking, because I can't send my truth unsung here. So, close your eyes. I'd like you to soak in the presence of the Lord now, and ask yourself, what do you want from the Lord, and is it embedded and obedient? God. So the word says, I only want to do your will, Lord. Yes. Everything should be yes to the Lord because it's in his will where you find your strength. It is in his will where you find your blessings. I'll leave you with Psalms 84. Blessed is the man who walks in righteousness. Saying yes to the Lord and not just to yourself will always be a blessing. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Carla, for sharing that word this morning and a great introduction uh, to our text this morning. Again, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn uh, to 2 Kings chapter number 22 uh, as we share from the word of God. Um, I laugh because I haven't told anyone uh, who to share about their unsung hero, Um, but the Holy Spirit just works it that uh, as those who are sharing what's been prepared for the sermon on that Sunday uh, lines up with um, those who are sharing. Again, I don't know if it'll happen again, um, but uh, uh, the Lord is good. And I believe that there is a word. From the lord amen amen um come on would you say with me this morning speak lord for your servant is listening i just want to read in your hearing the first uh, two verses here in second kings chapter number 22 as we introduce today our unsung hero who goes by the name of King Josiah. Uh, In the records of scripture, we see many biblical heroes who uh, stepped up to the plate and who were able to lead God's people in difficult times. Um, It's once been said that, a leader must have people who are following after them. Anyone can stand up and give directions, but if no one is following after you, you are not a leader. You're just someone who talks loud. Um, a leader is someone who leads the way, who fo- has others who are following after their example, and a leader has responsibility in the sight of Almighty God. In reality, there will be different situations and circumstances where God will call us to be leaders, and we've got to be able to adjust to be able to know when it's time to follow and when it's time to lead. Now, in the responsibility of leading, what we recognize is that every leader will be tested, and they will be tested because the people that are following after them will not always want to follow after what is right um there is a theory or a, a- Uh, 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 A sociology term um, where they look at people dynamics and they see how people are influenced or impacted in how they follow or walk after the leadership of others. And there's something called the crowd mentality. The crowd mentality centers around when one person is doing something, the crowd likes to follow after what everybody else is doing. If you could be people walking down the street, all it takes is one person to just start running down the street, and what will happen? Well, if you're African American, you're going to run down the street. Now, others may not, but when we see one person running, everybody else starts running. Why? Because we we, we see something is happening, and it begins to pick up steam. And what we recognize is that a spiritual leader A godly leader is not someone who just follows after what the crowd is doing, but a spiritual leader, a godly leader, is one who hears the word of the Lord and obeys and continues to instill that into the hearts of the people that are following after him because it is the will of God. 2 Kings chapter number 22, starting at verse number 1, Josiah was eight years old. Years old When he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years, his mother was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adiah from Boschrath. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. If you have your Bible there, underline that. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. And followed the example of his ancestor, David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. Or in another translation, it says he did not stray away from the right path. Lord, we thank you for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We pray that in this time that we have this morning, Lord, that you would bless, Lord, the word that goes forth, that it might be life unto us, that as we hear your word this morning, Lord, that we will follow in the instructions and precepts that you have given unto us. Father, I pray that even as the word would go forth, Lord, that which we do not know would you teach us, that which we do not have would you make us, and that which we are not, Lord, would you make us in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, over the course of the last couple of days, the Lord has been challenging me, and any time that you soak in the presence of the Lord or spend time uh, talking and uh, not just bringing requests to the Lord, but going before the Lord and saying, Lord, uh, what is it that you want from me right now? What is it that you want uh, me to be doing, or where do, you, where do I need to be uh, uh, growing in or focusing in? And I often take time to make sure that in my prayer life, it is not just simply all requests. Uh, How many of you know you can go for a long time where your prayer life is only about Lord give me this, Lord change this, Lord make this happen Lord deliver them Lord do that for them and so sometimes we've got to recognize that in the midst of prayer there is the supplication, the asking before God but also before God there is the sitting still and there is the asking God Lord what do you want me to hear from you. Lord, what are you saying to me, your child? And uh, as I've been reflecting upon that, uh, this week was uh, was a challenging week as, as, as we were reflecting and as, as I mentioned as we had this pastoral retreat. And challenging not in a bad way in the sense that um, I, I felt like overwhelmed, but challenging in a sense that I began to hear the Lord giving instructions about these are the things that you need to be doing and Focusing on. And and one of the challenges that can happen is that when the Lord begins to speak to us, one of the things that can happen is that we can become overwhelmed with the task or the assignment that has been given to us and looking at where we are at and how do we fit into what God has called for us to do. Have you ever been feeling overwhelmed by an assignment or something that you had to do? Maybe it was an earthly responsibility. Maybe your boss came to you and said, I want you to lead this project or to chair this assignment, or, or maybe they said, okay, you've got these additional, all right, I know you were already overwhelmed, but I need you to carry on these additional responsibilities. And you kind of know the feeling of how I felt this week as the Lord began to down to me things that he wanted me to do and the first thing or the first response is Lord I can't do it or Lord that's just not me And one of the things that I appreciate about these unsung heroes is that what we begin to do is we begin to expand our traditional understanding of what it means of who God will use and how God will use them. Uh, One of the things that I, I found in the body of Christ is that we know and recognize people that have what I call are the dominant gifts say dominant gifts Dominant gifts are those gifts where we see them; they're loudly displayed. They're they're visible for everyone to see. Uh, these are very visible gifts, and and you know uh, in the church you often see those. Uh, the gift of preaching, and and we can sit in the congregation. We can often think, oh man, I mean, it would be great if God blessed me so I could be able to speak and preach. And you know, I, I, as a young uh, a young believer in Christ, I remember watching T.D. Jakes sermons. Get ready, get ready, get ready. And, and I would be, I would say oh my goodness I mean can you imagine the platform he has and 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 I thought man if I want to be used by God I've got to have a TD Jake's platform or you know the another dominant gift is the gift of singing and worshiping and the psalmist and oftentimes when we think about being used by God I mean we think of the Fred Hammonds and, and and the Marvin saps and and, and the Martha manzzis and all, all those uh, these these who are wonderful artists and and psalmists and we see again these are ones that are in front of everybody and visibly displayed before everybody and what can happen is that subtly in our minds we can think that if I'm really going to be used powerfully by God I've got to have one of those dominant gifts to make an impact for the glory of God. And so as a result, you have people that were good small group leaders, but instead of leading small groups, they're trying to preach. You got people that are great singing in the congregation, but instead of that, they try and create a platform for themselves. And so what ends up happening is that gifts are underutilized because we don't have a picture in front of us to recognize that it is not just the dominant gifts that God wants to use, but it is every gift that God wants to use, and there is an assignment and a place for every gift in the body of Christ. If we do not understand that every part of the body of Christ has an importance to God, what will end up happening is that God's church will crumble and not function in accordance with his design because the people that were gifted in that way and that helped us to function, the church to function in the way that God intended, were not in the place that they were supposed to be. And oftentimes, we can feel a guilt because maybe we feel that we're not gifted or, or, or God has not blessed us in a certain area. We can feel that. Now, listen, we all have a call to evangelize. But maybe we're not the person who goes out and just walks up to people in the middle of the street and starts praying for them. And and so what I'm saying is that it doesn't have to be that the model of what you have seen is the only way that the gift is expressed. Amen. How many of you know that? That God can use us in ways, and so even though we have a responsibility to evangelize, the way that we do it may look differently depending on the personality that God has given unto us. To us, And so if we take that guilt of feeling that I don't do it the way that Taja does it, I don't do it the way that Pastor Carla does it, I don't do it the way that Sister Davida does it, if we take that and begin to look at it and say, oh man, I'm inspired by Sister Davida, how she does that, and I'm going to use that same level of love and do it in the way that God has gifted me, what kind of kingdom impact would we have? What we begin to see is that it's not so much about our ability to follow and to be like someone else in the kingdom of God. It is more the ability for our heart to be 100% committed towards God and saying, Lord, you formed me and you fashioned me. You've made me who I am. And so now how? Can I use the gifts that you've given unto me? If I can be honest with you, that I sometimes wrestle with my gift, and sometimes you know you would look and say, "Well, Pastor Joseph, you're 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 a preacher, you're a pastor. Uh, wh- what do you wrestle with? You've got one of those dominant gifts, but d- within the even gifting categories, there's different ways that people will preach and share the good news, and and oftentimes I had struggled with the way that God had gifted me to teach and to preach the word of God, and because maybe I didn't hoop, or maybe because I didn't squall, maybe because I I wasn't that type of preacher, feeling inadequate in the gifting that God had given unto me until I began to realize that I'm not trying to be another preacher. I'm not trying to be someone else. God gifted me because there are people here in the Austin, Brighton, and Brookline area that need the gift that God has placed inside of me, and if I try to be the T.D. Jakes of Dallas, Texas, there's the gifting that God gave to Dallas, Texas, and Massachusetts, Boston, Massachusetts, may need a different gifting. And so if I'm trying to incite and to be the one who God gave to Dallas instead of being the one that God gave to Boston, Massachusetts, Boston will lose out, Dallas will lose out, and the kingdom of God will lose out. But if I can just be who God created me to be, think about the kingdom impact that God has given unto us. And as we think about that principle, it leads us into the study of this king called Josiah. Uh, What we see here, and in order to understand the context of King Josiah's life, we have to back up to 2 Kings chapter number 21, where we have what I call the prelude of bad spiritual leadership. One of the things we recognize is that legacy follows, and the, what we set into motion will start off and to put into place a legacy, and when we read in 2 Kings chapter number 21, we read of the king at the of the time, Amon, and the Bible says that Amon was 22 years old, and in verse number 20, it describes his leadership. If you see that here in 2 Kings 21 and 20, let's look at what it says He says he did what what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father Manasseh had done. So what we begin to see here is that we have a king, uh, Amon, who comes into leadership. His father was a wicked leader, and now his son is following after the same spiritual principle, he, the wickedness that his father Manasseh had done. Amon comes in and does the same wickedness, the same foolish things, and all of those things continue in the legacy. And now, one of the things that you see here is that as he does evil in the sight of almighty God, what we some of the things that were happening. In verse number 21, he says, he followed the example of his father, worshiping the same idols that his father had worshiped. Now, the people of God have known time and time again, God has said, I am a jealous God. You will not worship any other gods. But every time that God redeems the people, what happens is that they they get starstruck. They start to see the things that they see around them they see the gods of the people around them and they began worship them and worshiping them and amon did the same thing he followed the example of his father he worshiped the same idols that his father had worshiped and it goes on to say verse number 22 he abandoned the lord he abandoned the lord and what happens he abandoned the Lord, the God of his ancestors, and he refused to follow the Lord's ways. I'm skeptical of people who are always brand new about everything. You know, the the other day my, my son he was telling us something and, and I remember Pastor Ophelia went to him and she says, You know, I was a child once too, and, and I, I do know what it is to go through childhood. And and you know, uh he he, he thought in his eight-year-old wisdom, <laughs> come on. You ever been around an eight-year-old? You you ever been around one who who knows it all, who has everything figured it out and and understood? And so she told him, listen, in your eight-year-old wisdom, there are things that I've gone through and I've seen before you have. And so what happened was that the people did not understand the history that had came before them. And as a result, they did not follow the Lord's ways, and they, they abandoned the ways of the Lord. And look what happened. Happens here. You have chaos going on, and what happens when you have chaos? Look what the text says in the next verse. He says, Then Amon's own officials conspired against him. Wow. When you don't follow after the Lord's ways, chaos will always ensue. And so they did not follow after the Lord's ways, and his own people started conspiring against him and assassinated him in his palace. So now you've got craziness going on. The king is assassinated, and then what happens? But the people of the land killed all those who had conspired against king, king Amon, and they made his son, Josiah, the next king. Now, we could start off with the ending of this verse and say, oh, wow, Josiah was a king. But do you see the landscape where he was having to take over leadership? He had a legacy coming in, Manasseh to Amon, now to him. And uh, these leaders that were in front of him, guess what? They had no integrity. They were leaders who were not after God's heart. God said they did evil in his sight. Then also they had civil war breaking out in the land. The people were fighting against one another. It was almost like a gang turf war. The people that killed one people and then they retaliated against those people who killed him. And then, can you imagine in the midst of all of that, God says, I'm raising up Josiah to be king. Now, I'll be honest with you. All that drama going on, I'll be like, thank you. No, thanks. I'll go next term. Why don't you let somebody else come clean up this mess? I'll take it when the economy has been uh, you know, brought back up after all the hard work, after the depression and recession in the world. I'll wait till all that happens and has gone on, and then I'll take credit for how well the economy is booming or how well the stock market is doing, even though I didn't do any work. Uh, all right, let me, let me get back to my text this morning here. And so what happens? God calls Josiah into leadership. But the thing about it that we see that happens is that Josiah was not an ordinary king. Josiah, as the text reads in chapter number 22, the first thing that the Bible tells us about Josiah was that Josiah was eight years old when he became king. The first thing that we see about Josiah is that Josiah defied traditional roles by exerting godly leadership at an early age. I believe that it is absolutely important that we don't wait until our deeply rooted children are 18 and 21 and on their own to make sure that they have the foundations, to make sure that they have biblical principles instilled in their heart, to make sure that they know who the Lord is. Uh, uh, Pastor Ophelia was telling me that one of my sons, they they saw in Family Feud, and they were saying, what are things you can fall out of? And and, and one of them said, "Uh, you could fall out of love. And, and, And my younger son said, how do you fall out of love? Love is here in your heart. And I was like, oh, wow. Out of the mouth of babes. He begins to get a world view. He begins to understand as I look at the world, and and yes, through the eyes of a five-year-old, the world looks very differently. But just because it looks differently does not mean that God doesn't want to be a part of the picture of the world that God has placed them in. And so what we've got to recognize is that God is saying in the midst of everything that's going on, I want even from young age, young babes, to know what it is that I, the Lord, am God and that I reign over all things. Now, one of the challenges that we see here is that he comes into kingship at the age of eight. Here in the United States of America, to be president, one must be 35 years of age, a resident within the United States for 14 years, and a natural-born citizen. We recognize that the office of the president has great responsibility. With one push of a button, not literally, but one push of a button, nuclear warheads can be sounded out or can be sent out with one instruction. It can change the direction of a nation. And here it is. I mean, when you think about it, does it boggle your mind that God would call an eight-year-old boy and say, I'm going to place you in leadership. I mean, can you remember back to grade? I remember back in grade school when I was running for student council and I had to run against one of those people who said, you know what, I'm running for president of student council because if you elect me, president of student council, we're going to cut school. We're not going to have any homework and I'm going to decree that it's going to be gym time all day long and we get to have ho-ho cookie uh, ho-ho snacks all day and and so they would come up with all these things that sounded well as an eight-year-old but I knew with wisdom that it was never going to be implemented and so you can imagine that an eight-year-old is coming into office that what would happen but here was the interesting thing about what God had said about Josiah that Josiah did what was right in the sight of of Almighty God. How did that happen? It meant that even at a young age, he knew that it was more important to follow after God than to do what pleased him. I mean, come on, because think about it. As children, what do you want to do? You want to do what pleases you. And, And it's not just children. Come on. Some of us, 35, 55, 75, and all we're thinking about is doing what pleases us. But from a young age, Josiah understood that even though this might feel good, even though this might be what I want, I want to please almighty God. And one of the things that amazes about me is that he defied it because almost he had the freedom because he said, listen, there's never been an eight-year-old king before. I'm going to have to rely not on my own strength, but upon God's leading to show me, Lord, this is the gift that you've given to me and what do you want me to do with it? The second thing that we see about Josiah is that Josiah's gift of administration was used by God. I love King Josiah because when we look at Josiah, he started off in the kingship at eight years old, but God had gifted him in a unique way. He wasn't the priest of the time. He wasn't the one who was the prophet of the time, but God had gifted him with a gift of administration. I recognize that we will shout about someone who can sing runs up and down. We will get excited about someone who can play chords. They can get on the B3 and and, and they'll hit those chords and when they hit those chords you just feel a a shake come in your body. We will get excited about someone who can just sing heaven down but we don't often get excited about someone who has the gift of administration. I love the gift of administration. I love those who have the gift of administration. Give me some godly people who can Balance a checkbook. Amen? amen you're looking for a spouse look for a spouse that has a gift of administration come on that, you know, some of us we're looking for some sexy qualities I want a bald head and I, I want him to be this tall and everything else like that but how about you think about find a spouse that has a gift of administration someone who can make sure that things get done and when they say something will get done it gets done you don't have to worry about and ask ten times did you remember this did you remember that But how about somebody who says, I'm going to use the gift that God has given unto me for the glory of God. I remember when I was teaching a seminar on dating with a godly purpose, they say, you know, oftentimes we look for a spouse based upon what we think is sexy at the time that we're looking, that we are, the age that we are, but they said that you want to find somebody who have characteristics of sexiness when you're 70, 80, and now, now beauty can be beautiful and sexy at 70 and 80, but let me tell you something. When you're 70 and 80, you ain't trying to look about, you know, like, well, you know how good are the abs you try to look at will they take care of me will they put in my false teeth when I'm when I'm worried about in the morning will they sabotage I mean will they make sure that my dentures are going in right they're looking for someone who can care for you not someone who will just have characteristics that will be here today gone tomorrow so what do we see here Josiah had a gift of administration. Look here in chapter 22, and verse number 3. It says, in the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent Shaphan, son of Aziah, and the grandson of Melsullim, the court secretary to the temple of the Lord. He told them, go to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him count the money the gatekeepers have collected for the people at the Lord's temple. Entrust this money to the men assigned to supervise, the restoration of the lord's temple they can use it to pay workers to repair the temple they will need to hire carpenters builders and masons also have them buy the timber and the finished stone needed to repair the temple but don't require the construction supervisors to keep account of the money they receive for they are honest and trustworthy men let me park here for a moment because oftentimes what can happen in the body of Christ is we can just look at it and say, well, well, just as long as the Spirit is upon them, that they are anointed, you know. And, and, and oftentimes what will happen is we have visionaries, but we don't have implementers. We have people who can see. In the spirit, but how many of you know that if the prophet says something, you need someone who will carry out the instructions that the prophet has said? And what we see here is that Josiah had a gift of administration. First of all, he recognized, he put into order a system, he put into a system he put the managers who were over there. Then he made sure that here was hiring criteria. Then he made sure that you have to have people who are skilled in different areas. Don't you see here that the Bible didn't just say, Oh, God go find some people on the street and just go and make them build the temple. They had an assignment to rebuild the temple. And what did he say? Find the skilled carpenters. Find the skilled artisans. Find the people that were there and then have the people that you will use the money. And so he gives even the temple money. He begins to say, I'm going to set a budget out in order to get this task done. And so Josiah was a skillful administrator. And God used him in the work of rebuilding the temple. Guess what? The work of rebuilding the temple was spiritual, but God used the gift of administration to help the spiritual come to pass. How many of you know that there are many spiritual things that we want to see done, but if we don't have the giftings and use the giftings that God has called for us to do, they will never get done? Can you imagine? He said, rebuild the temple. And everybody come to work whenever they want to come to work. Everybody do whatever they want to do. No, he set into order with administration. What else do we learn about King Josiah? Finally, the third thing that we learn that Josiah was willing to what I call pray, listen, and obey. Pray, listen, and and obey. Something interesting happens as King Josiah uh, uh, goes in his t- the tenure of his leadership. We read in the introduction that King Josiah reigned for 31 years. Now he starts out at eight, and in the 18th year of his reign, he begins to recognize that there's something that I've got to change or to shift about what is going on. Now, here is something that you've got to know and understand, is that leaders are not those who who just say this is the plan? We're sticking to it because any leader will tell you that a good leader recognizes that you will lead some areas and you will make mistakes. Come on, how many of you know that as you grow, you made some mistakes along the way? And even as those who are called in pastoring and in other areas, I mean, there are some things that you know. When I, when I first started in ministry, you know, it, it's easy when before you get into ministry, it's easy to just be like, "Well, I don't understand why Pastor did that." I, you know. If if I was pastor, this is what I would do. Well, if I was in and uh, they were sharing in the devotional, you know, uh, when, when Joshua tells the people that we're going to march around the camp seven times. I mean, could you imagine after the first time you march around the camp and you get back and all the husbands go back to the wives and they ask them, well, what did you do today? Well, um. I just marched around the city seven times. Why did pastor tell you to do that? Well, you know, it was a word from the Lord. Well, did anything happen? Well, nothing happened. We was just marching and, I, you know, I just believe in God. Well, well, why why would the pastor, I mean, if I was pastor, I wouldn't march around seven times and just walk around and nothing happened. I mean, I would make sure that something happened the first time because my God is so good that it don't take seven times to march around the city in order for the walls to fall. And we just going to march around and the glory of God is just going to fall upon the place. You know, you can start second guessing everything. Thing. But what you learn as a leader is that what you thought may have been right, God refines your wisdom. And a leader is someone who is humble enough to say, listen, I missed the mark. Let's change course. Not because God has changed course, but because as I'm listening to what God is saying, I'm recognizing we've got to make some adjustments. Sometimes it's large adjustments. Sometimes God completely reroutes you in life. Sometimes it's what I call finding night adjustment that will get you back on the path that you need to be. Uh, I I had a rental car this weekend, and and, and it messed with my mind. I don't know if any of you have ever driven, driven in the new cars, but they have what is called lane assist driving. And so what happens is that the car actually is able to see the lines that are on the road. And if you go outside of the lines, what will happen is that it will pull the car back into, To the lane in order to make sure that you're driving along the right lane. Now, let me tell you something. The first time when I didn't even realize that it had lane assist driving, I was like, take this car back. This car is possessed. But what happened is, you know, it was funny because the first time I realized what was happening and then what happened, I I tested it a little bit. I just purposely started going outside the line to see. But one thing I noticed as this action would take place is that when it was pulling the car back into the lane, it never took the sharp jerk and pulled the car back in the lane. It did a slight correction and then turned it back and got me right back in the lane. Sometimes God has to take some slight corrections, get you back, and allow you to say, keep on going where I have sent you to be and this is what happens here with uh, Josiah what happens is that they're living in a land you remember the legacy that was before Josiah Manasseh did not serve God Amon did not serve God and they had put up idols to all these other gods and here comes King Josiah now King Josiah only knows about the Lord but then he begins to sense God there's something more I, I believe there's something that's happening and in verse number nine Shaphan went to to the king and reported, your officials have turned over the money collected at the temple to the workers that supervise at the temple. Shaphan also told the, uh, the, the king, Hilka, uh, Hilkiah, the priest has given me a scroll. So Shaphan read it to the king. This scroll contained what will be known as the early part uh, of the Old Testament and the word of the Lord. And so they found a scroll that had the words of the Lord. And here's what happens in verse number 11. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Let me tell you and set the scene of what was happening. Have you ever heard the word of the Lord and you recognize, oh my goodness. We've missed what God has called for us to do. Josiah hears the word of the Lord and the instructions of the Lord, and he tears his clothes. He tears them in anguish, saying, How far have we gotten from the word of the Lord? Recently, my heart has been devastated in anguish. Because in the Western church, the American church, we've gotten so far from the word of God, so much so that when they took a survey that many people who call themselves Christians say that there's more than one way to heaven, that Jesus is not the only way. We have now one of the largest Pentecostal leaders, former Pentecostal leaders, uh, by the name of Bishop Carlton Pearson. He has now had a Netflix movie, and it sounds sexy. Wow, the gospel of inclusionism. Wow, everybody's going to heaven, but it goes against the core tenets of our faith, and what it says is that Jesus did not die or need to die, and so because if everyone goes to heaven, independent depend regardless of whether or not we accept the gift of salvation then God's work through Jesus Christ on the cross is in vain it was not necessary it was foolish and so we have something that sounds good but it goes against the core of what the word of God teaches us how much would it be that we would get to a place where we lost sight Of what Almighty God has said I feel like King Josiah I want to rip my clothes in anguish because we have lost our sight we have lost our way and we need to get back to the word of the Lord Josiah was so touched by this. He tells him, go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me. Josiah had to go through a priest. But we have access to the throne of grace. We don't have to wait for an intermediary to go and to say, God, get us back to where we need to be. We simply can call upon his name. Josiah began to pray. But as he prayed, he began to listen to what the Lord was saying. Look there in verse number 18 here in our text. (sighs) This is what the Lord God says concerning the message that you have just heard. (sighs) Because Josiah was sorry and humbled himself before the Lord when he heard what the Lord had said against the city and its people, that the land would be cursed and and become desolate. Because Josiah tore his clothing in despair and wept before God in repentance. This is what the Lord says. I have indeed heard you, saith the Lord. Hear that again. I have indeed heard you, saith the Lord. And verse 20. So the Lord says, I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and have been buried in peace. You not see the disaster that I'm going to bring upon this city. When the book of the law was read and Josiah heard it, his heart was torn. But as he heard it, he wept in repentance and say, Lord, forgive us for we have sinned against you. My heart is that a church that has neglected our brothers and sisters of color, that has taken them and equated them to being less than, that has enshrined into the church practices and even into the church history, a place where those who were uh, non-majority, non-Caucasian, uh, non in the in the in the in, in the main grouping, where they relegated them to less than Christians, where our African Christian brothers and sisters, where our Asian brothers and sisters in Christ were treated as less than. My heart is that the church would wake up and see we have lost sight of what Almighty God has said, and that as we would see that, we would tear our clothes and repent and say, Lord, we are sorry for how we have sinned against you. Josiah prayed, he listened, and then he obeyed. How did he obey? Look there in chapter 23. King summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. Verse 3, the king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws and decrees with all his heart and soul. In this way he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll and all the people pledged themselves to this covenant. What we read here is that we have access. The studies have said that most people have access to two to three Bibles in their own household. Most of us now have the ability that in the moments known as we can go onto our smartphone, we can go and get the Word of God, we can even have the Bible read to us. But when we look at what was happening in the time of King Josiah, they had lost all of the word of God. They had lost the scrolls. They had lost the word. And so as a result, they had begun to follow after their own ways and to go astray. But when they went and they found in the temple the book of the covenant and the word of the Lord, it was so prominent. They were so excited to hear the word of the Lord that you know what they did? They said come on, let's gather together. I mean, can you imagine that we went on Boston Common and every day everybody gathered together and they said just sit down and hear this is what the word of the Lord says. And they began, as they heard the word of the Lord, they began weeping. I mean, when is the last Time that you began weeping with joy, that you could hear the word of the Lord, and this is what the Lord says unto us follow after my ways. Their hearts were stirred. Their hearts were stirred. And his last assignment was that after we prayed, after we listened, we must now obey. King Josiah, young in his 20s, he went out and he tore down the Asherah poles. He went and in that day and age, they had what were known as temple prostitutes. He kicked out, they had, it had gotten so bad that outside the temple they had set up shop and people were, do, were there and they would, they would pay the prostitutes in order to give homage to the gods that they believed in. And in that moment, King Josiah, he came on and wiped out those camps. He tore down the Asherah pole and he said, we will worship God and God alone. He teaches us that without the word of God, we will all go astray. The word of God teaches us and instructs us in righteousness, but also the word of God helps us to recognize that God is a faithful God. He's a forgiving God who forgives us even in the midst of our iniquities. He invites us to draw close to him and says, I will be with you until the very end of the age. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we thank you for the life of King Josiah. Lord, even as we've just taken a moment this morning to highlight some of the parts of King Josiah's life, there's so much that we can see from the life of this king. Lord, we're thankful unto you that you used an eight-year-old boy to turn from the legacy that was in front of him and to start and to put into place a legacy of righteousness and holiness and godliness. Lord, by the actions of one man who was willing to exhibit spiritual leadership, a whole nation was saved and impacted for the glory of God. And so Father, we pray that we as your people, Lord, we would have the courage like Josiah had. Some of us, we didn't have examples before us that we could follow after, or maybe even the ones who are in front of us did not follow after your ways. But Lord, help us to even make an impact where places we have not even thought or known that we could. But Lord, as we follow after you, we will do all that you've called for us to do. Father, I pray that our hearts would be willing to pray and ask you, O Lord, what is it that you want from us? Lord, as Pastor Carla even instructed us, that we would say yes, O God, to you, that as we listen and hear your word, obedience would be our portion. Father, teach us to obey all of your precepts and all of your instructions, and that as we do that, that your will will be done in and through each and every one of our hearts. Lord, we ask your favor upon us even as we go throughout this week. May the glory of the Lord strengthen and encourage us. It's in Christ's name we do pray. And everybody said, amen and amen.